Welcome to the New Habits Podcast, where executives and MVPs from Microsoft Partners discuss the Microsoft Teams application and its use in enterprises. Happy New Year, and I'd like to welcome everybody back to the New Habits Podcast. Uh, my name's Susie Dean, and uh, I'll be presenting again this week alongside Paul Schaefline, Victor Velen, and Wes Hackett. Um, this week we're going to be talking about bots within the Microsoft Teams context. Uh, while the very idea of bots is not a new thing, um, essentially meaning a program that's capable of interacting with systems and users, uh, the, the notion of having a chatbot within a collaboration space is a, a, a new evolution. So, uh, without any further ado, I want to throw out the question to our panel as to why they think um, Teams has opened the doors very, very early on to chatbots uh, and, and equally why they've been so well received. Let's just kick off a little bit about sort of bot as a concept. So, if you're not familiar with a, a, a chatbot, really all it is is a conversational experience that you might have in Microsoft Teams or you might have seen them on some websites, they pop up and sort of say, hey, can I help you with this product purchase? And it's a new paradigm um, for all business systems to be enabled with them. And really in Microsoft Teams, the, the bot experience, it does surface in other places, but the primary touch point you're going to get as a user is the conversations tab within uh, the Teams or a one-to-one -one chat where you're going to talk to that bot and it's a it's a, a technology piece that sits inside teams and allows us to talk as if we were talking to another human being so that's the kind of concept that's what a bot is that's how it sits within the microsoft teams uh, experience but as as we're all going to talk about these things have a huge opportunity um to do more than just simple hi how are you this is the weather today bots aren't really that new they've been around for many years they've been uh asleep or dormant for, for a couple of years now but when i was at university we had all kind of irc channels with bots and automation and did a lot of stuff but uh, uh, yeah that was probably for the techie guys uh, the big difference now i would say is that we the bots can be, be made smarter not just uh, simple uh, text comparisons etc they can actually interpret with the intent of what you're actually trying to do and understand different kind of languages etc uh, etc et so i think that's the big change that's why we see an adoption of bots and, and, and the possibilities to actually use it in business right now compared to how how they previously worked and i would just add that i think there's a push with businesses who want to do more with less people so if i can put some automation in front of uh, in front of my users to triage or, or categorize the problems and, and the solutions. It has some benefit there. So the, so the, the technology is right for the, doing those types of applica uses effectively. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we've seen that with clients as well for a very simple example is uh, the, the uh, internal health desk and those kind of things which you can replace. And we've seen huge uptake in, in the uh, the the number of uh, reduction, not only in people, but more productivity for those people. And you don't have to sit in line and wait for someone to, to pick up Skype and whatnot. So that is a real value benefit for, for organizations. I, I, I actually think there's something slightly different going on here. So I completely accept the points you've made, Victor and Paul, about the fact that the technology is now capable of supporting that chatbot uh, experience in, in a more mature way. Um, but uh, Technology adoption programs have been 
reported to be failing on the whole if you look at a lot of the reports that, that have been published in the last sort of couple of years um, and the thing that I think the chatbots tap into is almost uh, as that Roman playwright Terence said uh, somewhere around uh, zero <laughs> ADBC which is um, uh, I'm, I'm human and I think nothing human is alien to me you know the concept of a conversational interface is very human um, and so we've almost moved from a situation where people are expected to learn technology and that hasn't gone brilliantly to a moment where technology is learning people and I think that's the reason that we're, we're actually seeing organizations embrace this uh, and, and want to do things even though we're in quite an experimental period so um, with that in mind, it would be quite good to uh, hear some thoughts from everybody on the benefits uh, of using that chatbot experience within the team's context. Because if we look um, at a lot of the chat chatbot interfaces that exist on um, e-commerce sites, intranet sites, um, that's one thing, but the team's context is quite another. So what do we think the opportunities and the benefits are? Uh, there's so many <clears throat> use cases for bots actually and and a couple of them can be as you mentioned bot is some kind of uh, algorithm behind and can do calculations and, and lookups and, and things much faster than you so you could uh, have a bot looking up a data record for you uh, instead of you having to look up that and at mentioning bots and take part of that conversation and, and do the, some work for you or you can send away a task or uh, simple things to it so it could be both both those kind of lookup scenarios uh, or but also you can direct commands to to a bot or ask simple questions yeah and i think there's some some value in in that i can remember like when i was in university we didn't have bots but we had screens full of boxes and boxes of data and data entry was a a, a full-time job for people but when you get in this bot or conversational form the you're not capturing dozens of pieces of data it's i, I want to do this i do at mention your bot or say do the wake up word for your 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 device and and have that conversation and i think that there is some value there while it may take longer to to or it feels like it's taking a long time to say what you're trying to intend it certainly gets us back to what we were doing before with providing multiple pieces of data and Victor's point about doing lookups is is really pretty quick I, a lot of people in in the team's context if i'm interacting with some some coworkers I may need to find something and find it quickly and provide lots of information without having to know that it, off the top of my head certainly has a lot of value to say, um, hey, let's just try to solve this problem. And, and I think that's where the Microsoft Teams team have made a great effort when it comes to bot and not just having that uh, conversation with text, etc., where they added a card concept where you actually can add more rich information to that conversation. So as a, uh, the lookup card, for instance, look up a customer, a client, a uh, product and whatnot and give much more richer information than you can type in, in normal text with images, uh, links and whatnot. The thing that I find quite sort of interesting is that you mentioned bots have been around for a long time, university sort of time frame. And um, I, I recall 10 years ago working at an organization designing IVR, which is the telephone call that routes you through to, you know, pay your bill or, or, or stuff like that. And it's interesting to see some of those disciplines and techniques coming back around in this new technology space. I think having, you know, been developing bots now for a couple of years that the the hardest 
part of that discipline is actually the conversational design. You know, we've got lots of tools to do WYSI cards and data capture, and we've got lots of things of places to expose these bots. But really, f fundamentally, it comes down to can I design something a human can work with that gets into the answer or the data quicker than just a static web page with a form on it? And it, and it's, and it, and it kind of, for me, it, there's a fine line balance there because I'm, I'm seeing a lot of noise and hype around these personal assistant bots. And actually, when, when you've tried a few of them out or you've looked at how, how, what they're interacting with, a lot of the time, the action it gets to after three or four minutes of typing to and fro question and answers could be quicker to do if you just went to a web page and filled out a five line form. So I think, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a you know, a bot isn't a, a golden ticket to solve a problem, just like IVR wasn't a golden ticket in a contact center. The discipline of conversational flow and actually dropping somebody either to talk to a human being or dropping somebody onto a web page to fill out some more information or take them to the dashboard that t that can answer their question properly. Um, you know, I think there's a real skill in that now. And, and this hype cycle of bots being the solution to everything is, is a bit worrying, to be honest. I'm not sure I agree with that. I, th I think, by the way, I'm a huge fan of the bot interface precisely because it's the first time that we're seeing tech come to people rather than people being forced to, to learn tech uh, in, in the way that I think we've all been very used to. Um, I, I actually think if I disagree with you, Wes, but because you've hit on something that I think is right, which is that um, you, you've, you've mentioned that very simple tasks are sometimes made harder by the bot interface. Um, but that, that to me is just poor design, poor architecture, poor thinking. Um, you know, if you look at the common benefits uh, that we talk about around using bots within the Teams interface, yes, it's things like, you know, it can do simple, repetitive, boring, time-consuming tasks quickly for you. Um, <clears throat> but equally, I think it's true that it can take on probably some really quite complex things uh, and use that automation to deliver it very quickly, which means as the end user, I don't actually have to learn how to do those eight or nine things that the bot is now going to run off and do for me, potentially touching multiple systems. So I don't think we want to pigeonhole bots and say they're either really great in complex scenarios or really great in simple scenarios. Uh, I, I think it can probably do both, uh, but it's poor alignment um, between business output and that technology capability that's leading to some of these, I'd call them experiments, uh, which uh, uh, perhaps you'd look at and go, oh, that, that, that doesn't feel quite right. Well, and I think this is typical in the technology space where there's something new and it's such potential and then everything, the answer to everything is a bot, right? So you've got that pendulum swinging way too far. And, and then the other thing that has to happen is the technologists themselves need to get better at that interface. So just as we had user interface designers, we're going to need conversation designers at some point. That skill, we're going to have to be developed and learned and, and communicated to say, if you're trying to provide a, a voice interaction, or you're trying to provide a human interaction in, a, in this chat conversation, it's going to, you're going to have to think differently. And, and I don't know that, you know, the, the, tech, the, the team's development ecosystem certainly isn't there yet. It's all kind of new. And so there's going to be some, some adaption on both sides, the, the humans and the technology and the people doing 
the, the, the bridge between them. So, le- so let's really uh, put, point some fingers now. I want to uh, sort of kick off by looking at two bots that Microsoft have delivered within the team's uh, experience. Firstly, looking at Whobot uh, and, and then looking at Tbot. So um, for those that uh, are perhaps less familiar, um, Whobot uh, is a bot interface uh, within Teams um, that can help uh, us to find others within our organization, perhaps um, by skill, by name, um, asking about uh, somebody's reporting structure. Uh, So um, what's the perception of Whobot around the table? Have you guys used it? Have you been recommending to your customers that they make use of it? So I'll start first. Having been an independent consultant for a very long time, Whobot was not very relevant. Uh, but um, the, as you said, it, it's a, a nice example to show how some Microsoft technologies can be merged, right? So using the, the chat interface in the Microsoft Teams along with the Microsoft Graph to show information about who I'm working with or who else is in my organization that I don't often work with but need to find out more. So I think it's a great example of, of, or a great starter, if you will, kind of an introductory Thing. And, and you may find it useful. Some people won't find it useful, but it's easy to understand. It's easy to get people in the habit of saying, hey, at mention a bot and type in some inform- a question. If, as long as the question is relevant, I get some meaningful information. And, and as you're learning a new technology, that's great, right? If I know, I know that my manager is Wes and I say, who? who is my manager, and it tells me Wes, I, I, I get that trust that the, this technology can be helpful to me. It's accurate. You know, it can be useful. So in that regard, I think it's great to get people familiar with it. How do I use it? What does it do? What can it do? It's nice to get uh, your foot in the door, if you will. So in that regard, I find it helpful. Yeah, I can agree. Uh, but also, I see Hubot as just another endpoint, a different endpoint of accessing data that we already have. A lot of the things that the Hubot do, you can find through Delve or through search, etc. So it's up to you as, as an individual to, under, to, to make a decision or use different kind of tools depending on where you are right now. And I think this is a good example of, of the data that exists in Office 365. That's just another view of that, another way of communicating with that. And I think that takes us to the next stage where where we're very used to using a laptop today or a mobile phone, et cetera, but we're moving over to these more in, uh, intelligent kind of uh, experiences uh, that, that might not even be a screen, et cetera. And this, I see this as a great step towards that direction. Hubot is a good example of, of uh, you building another interface on top of already existing data. But personally, I would say, uh, for me, it's easier to go to Dell. I can find almost exactly the same kind of information there and get an overview instead of having to type all these kind of long questions, who works with, the, who knows this, etc. For me, it's faster because I'm I'm used to that experience. However, yeah, that doesn't mean it applies to everybody. So I think that that's another great point that he's bringing up is that, you know, just, again, a bot's not going to be everything for everyone, but it certainly is another tool in the toolbox. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've seen in your sort of larger enterprises, the the Hubot capability has dissuaded those enterprises from investing in custom SharePoint pages that are called People Finder, uh, in custom implementations that are managing profile information. They're, you know, they're they're looking at that to solve the conversational interface for profile. And it does a pretty good job in it. It's, it seems to work better the larger you are. The larger you are, the more data it's got to draw upon and therefore the experience seems seems really smart. 
I think where I'm seeing it really not being, you know, the uptake not sort of coming is is organisations of less than 100 people. They, it, it, it just doesn't seem to have enough information to really lean on to, to make that information sing. And in, in what information does it have that I don't already know or can easily find out via yeah. other means if a smaller yeah. organization? Yeah, I mean, it reminds me that the, the sort of primary use of, of Skype for Business app on, on your phone was, you know, being able to IM somebody. And obviously we get IM through Teams already and you can just simply type their name to find them. So it it, it would be interesting to see, I think, where that goes in the future if if... You were to wave the, well, look into the crystal ball, you know, thinking about Dynamics 365 and LinkedIn acquisition by Microsoft, you know, if you combine those to Hubot, then you've potentially got something incredibly powerful. But in its current state, I'm not, not sure it's going beyond much more than a telephone directory. Exactly. That's a little bit of my point as well. The, the Office, uh, the, the Hubot just knows Office 365 data. And, and for most of the organizations I, I work with, that is not the biggest part of their da data corpus. It might be products and other systems, etc. And, and so, and also it's all about the Active Directory quality, uh, which is in most organizations very poor. So um, you touched on an interesting thing there, which is it's really an experience over an existing set of content you could also potentially find data about people in in delve and maybe even through custom applications as well um tbot uh, which is the team's assistant that's also delivering content through that bot interface is really providing support content and a lot of that support content is held on um Microsoft websites uh, and again we have that e example of uh, the same content being surfaced through this new interface. So where does this leave organizations? Do they have to make a conscious decision about what is the right format for the business to consume this content in or is it a case that we can expect to move into a period where the same content is available through multiple channels and it's down to individual preference? Is that providing an option? option or introducing confusion? Uh, both. <laughs> um, I think that the, the goal is going to be for, for some people who think having multiple avenues to the same information provides value, but there's a cost to that. And so is it worth it to invest in a second or a third or a sixth way to find information that's really not providing much different value. So I think each organization is going to have to make that determination on their own. There certainly is value, and, and I I think the the biggest bang for the buck is going to be where are where is my audience? If they're mobile and they have, have just a small phone, then maybe a chat interface is easier to consume than a web page. But if they're on a on a desktop computer with a large monitor, they're not going to want to talk to their computer, they're going to want to click something, you know, point and click. So I think that's going to have to be the determination for each organization. We uh, have all suffered those um, uh, blog posts about which bit of Office 365 do you use for what. I think, Paul, it's safe to say you've just opened the door to people writing those blog, those sorts of blog articles about which is the right interface to use dependent on the device that you're using. Um, but um, joking aside, that, that probably is actually a, a worthwhile activity for organizations uh, to do to help shape some of this stuff. Okay, so just moving um, the discussion on. Sorry, Wes, you wanted to say something. Well, well maybe this is uh, 
this is a little bit of a tangent, but I think if you if you think about the bots we've been talking about at the moment, we we're potentially actively interacting with them and we're we're sitting and and saying hey bot let's do some stuff give me some information i think the the kind of really valuable aspect of a bot is when it's a bit more proactive and um we saw some things at ignite about you know the modern modern workplace in terms of physicality around meeting and sitting in conference rooms and, and stuff uh, around, you know, the, the telephony capabilities of Microsoft Teams. Wouldn't it be exciting to see bots starting to come to the enterprise that sit inside those meetings and start proactively going off and getting things based on the discussion that's happening in those meetings? I mean, for me, that that's where enterprise bot interaction with physical location, you know, that delta between the two things is going to be an exciting um, exploration by bot builders. Well, I'm not sure the technology is ready for that continuous monitoring of activity in the physical world. I mean, that's that. I need to buy a lot of horsepower to make that happen, I would think. So I think that may be kind of the blocker there, but interesting point of view. But that's how Alexa works today, right? I was this about is the to say, time and triggers. I was about to say exactly that. Uh, and, and just make the point that that's what the audio chatbots are already doing, right? Siri, Alexa, Cortana, they're listening and they're engaging and they're going off and doing things. Um, but uh, I, I'm sure that actually just means they're more useful assistants than the current assistant title uh, given to the bots that are a lot more limited in capability. Uh, but, but that's I would a say big leap. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Wick. That's a big leap to say I can develop a, an app in Microsoft Teams or some type of chat interface that's hosted on, a, on you know, an existing Office 365 service as opposed to a device that I put in a conference room that's always monitoring what's happening. So that to me, that that's not a that's not a gradual step. That, that that's a lot of a lot of investment and a lot of. Uh, yeah. And we already had the discussion at home with Alexa and, and Google Home and whatever they called uh, about listening all the time. And, and uh, I would uh, say that many companies would not use those kind of systems for compliance reasons and whatnot. And having something that listens to you all the time at work, that would be uh, very scary in many scenarios. And that's probably the, exactly the wide reason the bots are implemented that way in Microsoft Teams right now. They can't listen to your conversation and you, until you explicitly at mention the bot. Only then it's getting notified that someone wants to talk to it. So let's now turn our attention to some of the development models that are supporting the uh, bots uh, that are being developed uh, for Microsoft Teams. Um, we have the bot framework and uh, version four of that uh, is has been recently released. We've got the SDK extensibility piece. Um, let's start with you, Paul. If uh, I were a developer and I was keen to roll up my sleeves and get stuck into trying out um, trying my hand at some bot development for Microsoft Teams, where would I start? Uh, aka.ms slash Teams Dev Docs is the URL that'll get you started. But uh, the um, you're right, there there is a, a bunch of SDK work and, and maybe it makes sense to take a step back and understand that Microsoft Teams is really just a bot client 
the actual backend service is the Azure bot service known as the bot framework. And it, there are different interfaces to the bot framework and Microsoft Teams is one of them. And there are others, including you know, reaching out into the public social channels as well. So if you're going to get started, that's the idea. Now, I, I like to say that I assume your background, if you're new to the space, you're, you've written some type of web page before a web application. So it's really starting from that same paradigm where your message comes in and you do something with it and you make a response. So in that regard, it's the simple way to start. But obviously, there's a lot of nuances around you know, understanding what users have said. And as Wes was alluding to, de defining your conversation flow that you want to uh, approach. So uh, that, that's, uh, that, that's the high level where to start. And, and there is a, a set of training material that Microsoft has published as well to get through and how just introductory, how do I get started? It probably is a two or three hundred, 200, 300 level uh, content as well. If you get down into the deep dive. So there's plenty of material to get started and that, uh, it's, it's really simple to get the basics running. For example, doing Hoobot isn't really terribly difficult, but making it useful is where the, the struggle comes in. And that just takes experience, I think. Victor, where's any thoughts on how a developer might be approaching uh, bot development? No, no I, I echo what Paul said there. So it, it's not rocket science starting building a bot. It's, it's writing code and, and you get a request and you write response back. The, the, we talked about it earlier that the hard part is actually making it conversational and, and creating that kind of dialogue. So you really need to, to type team with a, a designer that understands that conversational flow and how to make that, that work. And, and also when building, for instance, if we're building a web page, you have that form and you, user cannot do anything else but that. But when the user is asked to t type in anything they want, uh, it's really hard to, the, the error handling and the, the re, uh, retrying of logic, etc. It's much more complex. So in, in advanced scenarios, the, the code can be, or the, convert, the code flow, so to say, can be really complex. So uh, uh, that, that's the, probably the mo most problematic thing. It's not actually writing the coding using the SDKs, etc. Because SDKs are really good, I would say, and there's tons of good services. Uh, Lewis, which is used for understanding uh, intents in languages, etc. So but it's more about the design of the bot and, and those kind of things that's important to think about. So, yeah, I mean, I echo both, both, both guys' points here because starting a bot, we go back to the whiteboard and we map the conversational flow. And, and Victor mentioned Lewis, that's the natural language understanding that sort of takes what you type in or say to a bot and, and comes back with what's known as an intent. And you can, as a developer, you can equate an, an intent to the equivalent of an action or a task that your app is going to do. And if you were doing that on a web page, it would be the button or the menu item you'd select. So you start at the, that whiteboard with what is this thing going to do? What are the intents that we need to service? You can then build up, if you want to start at the complex end, you know, actually using Lewis to, to, to understand inference and what that intent will be, you need to know what those in the, those tasks your bot's going to be. And I think this comes comes kind of full circle back to that point I was making about personal assistance and actually the one bot to rule the, all the bots, you know, and the complexity as a user of trying to work out what do I need to say to this thing that might, you know, send an email, add a contact, book a meeting, do some planner stuff, find a document. You know, it's quite... It, 
it's quite a, a bold task to take on an all singing, all dancing assistant. But if you were getting into bots, it might be something where you sit there and think, actually, what we want to do day in, day out is register a visitor to our building. And I want to simply say, hey, bot, I want to register the fact Susie's coming to the reception at 8 a.m. tomorrow and she's going to be taken to room 103 and and solve that one use case that um, the bot can do and then your intent model and getting used to the technology platform and all these AI pieces you can bring to bear on it becomes a more manageable task. I think where I'm, where I'm seeing developers get very lost very quickly is that they go down this route of I'm going to do this one assistant called Office 365 and it's going to touch every data pool and, and actually the three of us are seeing much more success where a bot is solving a specific set of tasks or it's targeting one particular set of functionality you know there's an app catalog and we talked about that last last um, time around a store now that already infers that there are many different apps that will solve many different things and I think as a, as a bot builder and a developer getting used to it you should dive in and, and solve one one or two things yes to, to, to you mentioned both personal assistance and also about those kind of single task oriented bots so, so how do you think are you designing like if a company has 20 different tasks to do do you have 20 different bots you have the task bot you have the this bot the that bot and the, the other thing bot or do you create some kind of uber bot that, that calls into the other ones so it I understand from a development point of view and design point of view, it might be easier to build up separate bots and contain them that way. But from an end user perspective, if you have 20 or 100 bots, which one are they going to use? So what's your thought yeah. on that? So, so my thought on that is, is, you know, we started the question from how do you get into this stuff? Now, I think you get into this stuff in, in simple. You do one or two, you do a bot that does one or two things very well. And then you go and research what's known as the dispatch pattern uh, and you use the dispatcher, which is if you go and look in the bot framework docs, it's not team specific, it's part of the bot framework stuff. And that allows you to sew together multiple apps into that all singing, all dancing app. And I think for me, if, if you were going on the sort of evolution of your developer skill set, you start simple in one and you get that working, you get that well used. And then as the business comes to you and says, right, actually now you've done new new people registration at reception now we want to do um you know condiment delivery and food delivery to the meeting room let's add that capability to the existing bot and then uh, you know another team can be building up the finance bot where you can request expenses reimbursement and then as a as an architect you sit there and go oh now i've got two enterprise bots but actually they're assisting daily operations let's create a, an operations bot retire the other two and then combine them with that dispatch pattern so i think as an enterprise you, you don't have to sort of leap in both feet uh, and and sort of do that all up one bot that, that does everything you can actually develop the bot in isolation and as it becomes mature bring it under that dispatch pattern to to kind of um be usable uh, as as you go I think that's a really great question, Victor, from the adoption and perspective. And, you know, what is the ideal end goal? Is it one uh, bot, one conversational interface that does everything or, um, you know, multiple, a family of uh, of bots? And as you asked the question, my mind immediately went to the biblical discussions we still have around uh, the search function within uh, the, the Office 365 platform 
do we need one universal search or is it better when we have a search for Teams, a search for SharePoint, you know, so on. Uh, and I think that the reason why they're sort of biblical and ongoing is because it's not a one size fits all answer. It's, it's very much a context driven discussion. So, for example, if you're an organization with 70,000 people on a single tenant, um, all doing jobs that on the surface might sound similar, but when you drill down a very, very different uh, a universal search experience, I'd imagine much like a universal bot experience could be counterproductive and slightly unhelpful um, because the technology doesn't have the level of sophistication to understand uh, the, the, the difference between A and B to the extent the end user needs it. In smaller organisations or indeed large organisations where there are, there are lots of very um, distinct um, and, and discrete workloads, um, that same capability might work really well. So uh, I actually think Wes's approach is probably the right one for, for most organisations, which is start with answering some <laughs> challenges uh, and, and broaden out from that. And again, bringing this back to we're talking about Microsoft Teams and the whole premise around that is there's a group of humans trying to accomplish something and the, those humans are in a team. And so what does that team need to do? An Uberbot that does everything that my organization supports may not be appropriate for each individual team. So, so yes, there may be dozens or hundred bots, but am I going to have all hundred added to the same team? It, I mean, yes, some organizations will create a team with every user and they complain that Microsoft doesn't support 10,000 users in a single team. But again, that, that gets very loud and, and crazy. So the, the, again, it's a fine balance and there's nothing to say I can't have individual ones and aggregate them with the dispatches we talked about before. So. No, and I think that's the beauty of the bot framework as well. You can make those more singleton kind of bots with a single task at hand, but also you can combine them together and, and as you mentioned, dispatching them and, and, and creating that kind of virtual assistant. Uh, so I think, and, and uh, making with the help of Lewis, for instance, and using that as a dispatcher, trying to find out the different intents for the bots. I think that's a super good way of doing it. And for the developers in the audience, it's it's really not much different than me invoke, waking up uh, uh, Amazon Echo or a Google toy. And, and I have to tell what skill I'm talking to, right? So the, you have to mention the specific skill you're looking for anyway. So that paradigm, I think, is going to be familiar to the end users. So it should, really shouldn't be a barrier. Yeah, but that's what, what I mentioned. Instead of mentioning the skill you want, so trying to detect the Alexa yeah. is pretty dumb in that case. You have to say, ask Alexa to do this or in, uh, invoke that kind of skill. But using Lewis, and that's how we built it up internally, we have one Uberbot and then we have a lot of skills for it. And we use that based on Lewis and different intents, and, and each skill defines their intents. So for the end user, if they want to use that Uberbot, so to say, uh, it's easy for them. But we can also use these skills individually as a single bot. But I do also wonder if, um, if we look over the life cycle of the bot, whether this, what might be right w would change. Uh, for example, quite early on, where we might have a bot being introduced into an organization, um, there's, you know, very well honed content that's really well understood uh, by by the audience, perhaps as that broadens and grows and deepens and then suddenly there's loads of content in there. Um, it may make sense to produce multiple uh, bots in order to ensure that individuals are getting the content they need. So I think there's a question of 
upfront context uh what are we trying to do today but i wouldn't assume that that was something fixed over the life cycle of that application either no i agree and and i would say it's the same concept as we build out help the spot for our clients uh, where they start interacting with the bot but then you can then uh, raise that discussion and actually talk to human if the bot can't answer to that and and you can do, use all kind of different services and, and trying if the user getting frustrated at the bottom whatever then you can notify the help desk people to talk to that and you can do the same kind of thing with escalating the discussion to another bot and and, and continue the conversation there so something uh, I wanted to sort of specifically take a few moments to discuss as well um, is the relationship between bots within the Microsoft Teams interface um, and workflow, traditional workflow tools, but, but equally things like Power Apps and Flow, because certainly working in a very hands-on way with customers around this, um, the, the, the primary use case, or, or to put it in more natural terms, that the low-hanging fruit is definitely simplification of internal processes using bots. Um, uh, and so I wonder if uh, perhaps uh, an unintended consequence um, uh, of this might be that uh, the uptake or the ongoing use of traditional workflow methods um, actually take a bit of a nosedive. Yes, yeah, so uh, that's one thing there. So you mentioned Power Apps and Flow, which are more like power user, end user kind of tools where they can make their own flows or, or their own kind of logic. And, and that's where uh, Microsoft has made their kind of bot implementation and bot framework a little bit different compared to other vendors. If you take a look at Watson, for instance, from IBM, which is a more complete suite where you can design everything in there. But I think with uh, but the Microsoft bot framework is more, uh, I would say, uh, um, uh, interface agnostic you can publish your bot to different kind of uh, to slack to uh, facebook to microsoft teams and whatnot so it's more of an orchestrator of those kind of things but you can absolutely uh, uh, combine flow power apps sharepoint and whatnot together with, with the with the microsoft bot framework bot by using for different kind of technologies by invoking a flow when you're talking to a bot and then the flow can call back into that bot when it's done with with its task etc it's not the easiest thing to do today but you can do it with azure functions and whatnot uh, but hopefully we will see better uh, better connections between these kind of things going forward yeah well, and the 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 nature of of flow being more of a power user driven instead of more of a more disciplined approach right so a bot framework i can't just i can't just open up a canvas and drag and drop and build a bot i'm gonna have to write some code so while the technology thing will support that i don't know how practical that'll end up being that you know a power user is going to create a flow and then we're going to interface that from a bot that i think that may be a little bit more than people more back and forth than people would want to do so but there's certainly some uh, some potential there, right? There's really no reason why it couldn't happen uh, as as both technologies mature. There's already a flow bot as well. Y yeah, yeah, I get that, but that, that gets back to the we back in the day we would write apps that would generate apps, right? And so you, you yeah. get this, you know, it's not a very rich user interface. It's really just a grid of of information, and people yep. want to have more interactive or more helpful stuff. And so if I'm have a bot that's going to determine the input, it's not going to be. It's still kind of brittle, right? So I think that for the developers in the audience, I don't know that I would recommend going down that path, but it's certainly there if it's, I need to get something done fast. So I think it's a lead interesting question I'd want to pose is 
in your experience, where where within the business are, are the requests for bots coming from? Because what I see is the you know the things like Flow and Power Apps. Those those are really coming from actual power users. You know, leaders of teams that are trying to get a job done, shorten processes, that sort of stuff. But bot requests in, uh, tend to be coming out of the technology parts of business. They're, you know, it's it's a buzzy thing to be building. Uh, I just wondered what everyone else's experience was. I agree to that as well. So the bots come from those who are looking into new technology and those kind of things and just trying to understand Microsoft Teams and whatnot. I don't get that those kind of requests from the business. Uh, of course, we do that sometimes when they want to do uh, be innovative and whatnot, but it's mainly from the, the support organization, those kind of things that already today have some kind of either Skype account or a phone number, whatever you call, etc. Compared to on the digital marketing side, of course, there's a big on the consumer side, there's a big request for that. But internally, enterprise-wide for teams, I, I think bots is not the, 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 the primary feature people want to use uh, in, in the conversations, even though it's a nice feature, but it's not the number one spot. Yeah, and I think until the, until the users who are familiar with that type of interface get into leadership roles in organizations, that's going to continue the case. And, and that's, I mean, that's just the evolution of, of humans and evolution of technology. So I, I agree. It's a, it's a IT driven initiative now, but I would expect as time goes on, it'll, it'll, that'll change. And uh, yeah, I would say also when the capabilities in, in March teams comes out where uh, we can do a little bit little bit more with bots right now we, we can have a conversation with them and we can send notifications but there there's some interesting scenarios where we uh, see going forward where, where the bots are more capable of actually interacting with us uh, calling us and, and doing those kind of things as well then it becomes much more interesting than just that text interface so say yeah when we were talking earlier about you know the re the reception bot type of thing right, the, i i didn't mention it then but you have to close the loop at some point that when the bot finishes doing its work it has to output something and if that involves a human for example a guy flies in from america and comes to the office and at 8 30 when the desk is supposed to be open there's no one there and he's outside calling to get in that that that's, that's a failure right the bot doesn't help in that scenario but the um, th th there are some cap missing capabilities there, and inside an organization, that end result has to interface back with the line of business systems in most cases. So, even if Microsoft improves the the capabilities, it's still going to take some developer to to understand what systems are running in house and what updates have to or what outputs from the bot process have to be done so that users can find value. I think that um, yes, Wes, you're right. It the requests for bots tend to come from IT, but then I think most technology changes tend to be IT driven. Uh, you know, I think we all know from the, the doing teams rollouts in particular that a lot of the business are quite happy uh, within old technologies like Outlook uh, and it's people like us and their respective IT teams selling them on value and, and why these new ways of working, uh, indeed, why forming new habits uh, is going to to be beneficial to them. So for me, it's not so surprising that um, this stuff's driven by IT, but I would expect that unlike previous uh, technology uh, capabilities that have entered the market, um, this will probably do better than most because it, it, it is a, a very human 
engagement uh, that that technology is driving, though because of that, I also have some concerns. That the, I think you've all almost said on this call that um, a, a lot of this is not complicated to develop, but it's down to the quality of the conversation that these applications can drive. And so to me, the bigger risk uh, is is uh, not around who's bringing it in, it's not around the adoption, it's much more that if the, that conversational quality is really, really poor, uh, this could be the sort of capability that had so much potential, but very quickly ends up the laughing stock of the business where people are kind of head in hand going, oh God, not another bot, they don't work. Um, and therefore that would be the thing to, to mitigate. Okay, I would like to uh, thank Victor, Paul and Wes for uh, contributions this week to the New Habits podcast and we look forward to sharing more insights uh, in a few weeks' time. Thank you. Thank you. The New Habits podcast is produced by Add-in365. Thank you to Victor Villain for participating. Please leave a review in iTunes along with a five-star rating. We appreciate your support. Thank you for listening.